Visionary Media. I think about the responsibility, the assurance of my commitment, the respect that I have for every detail of what nature has to offer. To be able to create a novelty of both art and music, it requires the stillness and solitude of a real craftsman. Then I think about the possibilities when this becomes a part of someone else's experience. Exquisite sound and superb playability manifest in each of Huni's handcrafted ukuleles. Huni is the expression of my understanding of the sacred relationship between the instrument and the artist. My name is Brian Bruces. I am Huni. I could say that I lived a full life, but it's different when you kind of know that you're really gonna die. So it's more like, okay, so is this really it? How come I feel empty? I'm gonna be honest. Like there was no sense of fulfillment. All that success, all that money. At that moment, it didn't really feel as if it actually mattered. So that was the biggest question. Hey there, PJ here. Welcome to the Visionary Podcast. We are now on the second and final part of this two-part series featuring our visionary guest, John Pagulayan, the founder of the Freelance Movement Tribe. On this episode, we dig deeper and get to know how John started his successful community, what urged him to start his program, his near-death experience, and the future of freelancing. Also, we get to know John from the lenses of the people he has helped and currently work with. On the last episode, he actually mentioned that he still cringes to this day to being called a coach. Now, how is he as a boss or a colleague? Let's hear it from Chief Marketing Officer Chris Ong. Chief John as a boss... He's very trusting and patient. He takes the time to teach you uh, how to think about things so you can have the confidence to execute things on your own. Uh, what most people don't know about him, maybe for someone who can do a three- or four-hour webinar, he's quite punctual with meetings. He's rarely ever late. And for everything related to learning and development, here's Luis Medina, the tribe's chief product officer. The thing with John that would probably surprise many, especially once they start working with him, is just how modest he really is about his own abilities. He'd be the first to tell everyone that he doesn't have a college degree or that he's not a teacher or that he doesn't know much about this or that, you know, whether it's websites or Facebook ads or whatever else, he'd be the first to tell you. But I specifically remember a time when he told me, I'm not really an expert at teaching or explaining concepts. So he said that and then the next day he sent me a video of him explaining how any business makes money using words that a child could understand. And it blew my mind and this is what you 
say is not an expert at teaching. So that was an interesting experience. And yeah, I don't know if he's really just being modest or or he truly doesn't know the kinds of gifts that he possesses. I mean, I think he's pretty self-aware, so I bet he knows. Dina Samuel is the CEO of Samuel Digital and is currently the coaching director of the Freelance Movement Tribe. Over the years, she has become somewhat like the poster child of the tribe, if you may. So she has built a successful business through what John teaches. John Pogolayan is the big brother I never had. So Dina, how did you know about John? Sometime in 2016, I came across an event for freelancers and work-at-home people. I remember attending a webinar um, and saw that guy with tattoos and with lace and, you know, fancy groceries in the kitchen cabinet as the background. Um, And as broke as I was back then, I thought, huh, well, he must be legit (laughs) because those groceries, those chips aren't cheap. You know what I mean? Uh, So I paid attention despite the angst. I mean, it isn't sitting well with me. But I listened attentively, you know, took down notes. Those swipes were damn good, I promise. What made you realize that he was the real deal? Oh, and I can tell because as someone who's been in sales industry for years, I know what's BS and what's not. It made me actually think that most of the things I've learned in sales were all full of shit. <laughs> well, this guy right here just went straight to the real sauce. I mean, no shit. So, you know, the guy got my respect and trust right there. What was the result of you learning from him? few months of getting his emails and religiously putting everything in execution, I earned my first million. But enrolling at the Freelance Movement Tribe for Dina was not because she wanted to learn more. She was already executing the things she learned from John's emails. She joined because... Enrolling that time was more like an act of gratitude. It's like, hey, stranger, you helped me and my family. Here's uh, here's 10,000 pesos, you know, a tiny chunk of the tremendous transformation you did to me and my family. The last, you know, five to six years since I've known John, I can say straight to anyone's face that so far it's been years of fulfilling those impossible dreams. No exaggeration, but really dreams that I never dreamed of dreaming before realizing that literally anything can happen. And so my whole family is just really grateful for him. There are so many online courses out there. Why do you choose him? It was really easy to trust him because every piece of lesson, every strategy, everything that he freely shared mixed with Pure action, you know, lots of mindset shift and swallowing of ego and pride. It's just that easy for me. There were also supporters of John who was in it for the beer. In the course of trying to support him with his um, endeavors and also like hanging out with a person that was a refreshing 
sort of difference when it comes to the marketing landscape and the sort of the people that do online freelancing. Yeah, it was an easy choice. Basically, it was really for the beer. That again was Shodan, one of the coaches of the tribe and an avid supporter of John even from the days of SPAG or what they call SPAG. Script and Proposal Accountability Group, so it was called SPAG, and also the Freelance Movement Masterclass, which was a fundraising event for his godchild who had biliary atresia back then. Shodan, what is this sacred John Pagulayan Beer Foundation? And I have this joke about the John Pagulayan Beer Foundation, which is one of the reasons that I actually joined one of his programs. I think I have the record of being the only person who has all of John's courses to date, like everything that he's actually sold, even those that are not related to freelancing. So this is something, I don't know why, but I actually always just enroll in anything he offers, even if I sometimes do not. And I'm sorry for this, John, if you're hearing this, even if I do not take full use of that course, I always like to joke that it goes towards the John Pagulayan Beer Foundation. That is how John is to his colleagues and mentees, turned not to just friends, but family. And all this success on his business, his programs, his community, everything started on the time when he decided to save someone's life, a young child's life. So I asked him, like, okay, how much do you really need? And he was like, well, actually, we need 1.5 million. They needed 1.5 million pesos to help her get a liver transplant in India. Personally, I don't think that selling shirts would actually enable you to get 1.5 in the amount of time that you have available and all that. And I'm like, okay, sure, let me, let me try to help out. He invited the biggest names in freelancing to help with this fundraising event for his goddaughter. The likes of Jason Dulai of the Virtual Assistant Bootcamp, Liberty Ariola Baldovino of the Youthful Granny, and email copywriting genius, the digital solopreneur, Alan Ngo. I invited them and asked them for the favor. I said, okay, would you mind creating a course? This is what I want to do. I'm going to create a course with you guys, and I'm looking at 20 to 25 people having a course, and we're just going to sell it to freelancers. And all the proceeds would go to this fundraising activity there. So it's more like I'm trying to create like a summit in a way. And the funny thing was, on that summit, I was nowhere in the lineup. The year was 2017, and they already had pricing packages for the program, ranging from 2,500 pesos to 7,500 pesos. And then something happened. Just a week prior to the event, there's this group of people who shall not be named who reported our page. Yeah, so they know we're going to be launching on that specific day. But what they did was they reported the page. So the ending was we weren't able to run ads to the campaign. Basically, everything was kind of shut down because the page got reported. I mean, here I am trying to help a friend. Well, not really just helping a friend. We're trying to save someone's life. Right? That's what we're doing. And here you are with your, the pettiness, really, the freelancing space back then was unbelievable. There are people writing blogs about me. What do they say? Mostly bad things about me. 
like me being a scammer and all that. I do find it funny because I'm not even charging for money. It's the first time I did a course that was like 2,000 pesos. And it's not even enough to be a monthly salary for me. Basically, there are people writing blogs inside communities, inside Facebook groups. Like my name is often the staple topic. They talk about me in a regular basis. I don't know why they don't like me. Probably because I'm teaching newbies to charge premium fees. So how does your wife take in all that negativity? Oh, I don't tell my wife. I know my wife and she'd probably cry if she does know. So it's one of the things that I keep from her. It does reach her ears sometimes, but as much as possible, I don't expose her to those kinds of things. Because I can take it. My wife can't. We were gonna supposed to be launching. And then remember, the launch usually goes like Monday to Friday. By now, it's already Wednesday. And we have yet, I think we have a couple of sales, I guess, but it's not really enough for the effort that we put in. Because people volunteered for the website, people volunteered for the courses. This is the entire freelancing community coming in as a whole. While speaking to him, he scrolled on his timeline trying to find that post he did when he got fed up. It was October 19, 2017. The title was Get Everything I Know About Freelancing. Remember, I'm not even supposed to be part of this program. I'm just the collaborator. I just want people to let me borrow their their powers. Because again, I don't want to be a coach. Now, we've just given up and pin the blame on everything unfortunate that has happened. Or we could make something beautiful out of it. Like one of my mentors say, if you want to be a champion boxer, you got to get punched in the face. You can either keep taking the punches or you can bob and weave your choice. So that was their version of bob and weave. Instead of focusing on the mishaps, he decided to focus all efforts on those who were willing to trust him with their hard-earned money and make this the best possible freelancing course they have ever purchased, bar none. Not only will they get the 24 masterclass sessions and the client getting bonuses and the bonuses, I decided to give you everything I know about freelancing for the next 30 days starting Thursday next week. Everything. The two bi-weekly webinars, scratch that. Let me make that weekly for the next 30 days. Support. How about a closed Facebook group where you can ask questions, get freelancing advice, and keep yourself accountable? Five ways to get freelancing clients. I'll give you more than 10. The $10,000 proposal template, I'd do you one better and give you the exact scripts I used to connect and hop on calls and prospects. There. I'll give you the same things I shared with my exclusive mentorship group, etc. Because personally, if you're willing to go all in, it only makes sense that we'd go all in as well. Basically, because plan A didn't work, this was their plan B. By the time that we closed, we got over 1.5 million in sales. Wow, just what you needed. Exactly. That post itself got 213 comments saying... I'm in. Amazing. The Freelance Movement Fundraising Masterclass. That's the name. It's a pretty long name. It wasn't part of the plan, but because of the, the mishaps, I had to do the 30-day thing all over again. This time, do it with people outside the scripts and proposal accountability group there. And as usual, now I already know what to post on day one, on day two. I already know what the mechanics should be. Right. So same thing. The same thing I did with the scripted proposal accountability group, I did for I did for the master class. Obviously, people are gonna get, you know, people are gonna get results. That's kind of like the second program 
but the, the program before Tribe ever happened. After that, we got tons of testimonials and, and stuff, but I wasn't happy. Being an introvert after that event, he felt really tired. He wanted to just hibernate and hide from the world. And while he did, people still said bad things about him. Some course creators even telling their students to not listen to what he says. It's just a very toxic time. I think it's time, you know, to focus on on me this time. I just want to be John Pagulayan, the email copywriter. I don't want to be JPL. I don't want to be a coach. I just want to be me. So I stopped sending emails. I stopped, you know, attending interviews. I literally, I just stopped. So he started the 30-day Client Getting Blueprint event on October 19, 2017. After a long hiatus, by June of 2018, the freelance movement tribe was born. I just wanted to hide in my own little shell. It's like I've been there and I didn't like it. So what made you start the freelance movement tribe the next year? Peer pressure. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> actually, there wasn't even a, a thought that I'm going to be starting the tribe. But I guess one of the biggest reasons, I'm not sure if you know this. On February 14, 2019, John just came back from Baguio for an e-commerce seminar. The day after that, I suffered a mild heart attack. My left arm went numb. My chest is hurting. So I told my wife, I think I'm, I'm having a heart attack. And I was talking to my wife with a smile on my face. Like, I don't want her to go hysterical. He drove himself to the hospital with his wife crying in the car. It was 30 minutes away from their home. Once they got there, they did a round of tests. And I remember this moment like really clearly. The doctor and my wife was talking and I think my wife was asking, so what's going to happen now? And the doctor said, we're going to do a couple more tests. There was this test where they're testing your heart. If it skips another beat, we're going to have to put him in the ICU. When doctors say we're going to have to put him in the ICU, now you know things are serious, right? So when I was listening to this conversation, they thought I was asleep, but I was totally awake. But at the back of my head, I was thinking, is this really it? Don't get me wrong, I used to think that if I do good, that if I do take care of my family, if I take care of my parents, my kids, my wife, if I'm good with the people around me, my family, I thought back then I'd die without any regrets. I really thought that was the holy grail. Like if I could just take care of my family, leave them without any debt, then I could say that that I lived a full life. But it's different when you kind of know that you're really going to die. So it's more like, okay, so is this really it? How come I feel empty? I'm going to be honest. Like There was no sense of fulfillment. All that success, all that money, at that moment, it didn't really feel as if it actually mattered. So that was the biggest question. When he left the hospital, he was speechless because... This could not happen again. Not the dying part, because I know I'm going to die anyway. I cannot really lie. It was empty. I'm not saying my family doesn't matter. It's just that it felt like there's this huge hole or gap that I don't know what the answer is. If you're going to ask me, you know exactly what's missing. I don't know. I just felt that I'm lacking a lot. But even after that life and death situation. Like I said, I don't want to be a coach. Even with that eye-opening moment. I still didn't go back to being a coach. Months went by and John was being barraged by messages upon messages asking him to start a course, telling him how they got a client because of him. Some even told him that 
they started losing motivation when his newsletter stopped. And I'm like, oh my God, so now it's my responsibility that you, that you can't keep your... Anyway. When did you start receiving these messages? From February, March, April, May, others are saying, we kind of missed you. Because back then, no one was teaching what I'm teaching. No one was saying that you can charge premium. No one was saying that you can get a client even if you don't have experience. So looking for that. And I think it was Cons Babas. Do you know Cons? Cons Babas. Oh no, I don't think I've met her yet. She messaged me and asked me about when I'm going to be launching a program. And by this time, I think it was like the hundredth message that I've answered about the program. I got fed up and said, okay, fine, let's do this. Partly because I'm also thinking maybe this is the missing piece. Maybe. So I had a small meeting with, with a few trusted peeps in Shangri-La. Mm-hmm. And I said something, you know, I told them like, okay, you want me to launch a course, you want me to open up a program, but we have to talk. How exactly do we want to do this? You got to help me pull this off. If we're going to be doing this, how can we make this the best community out there? It's been four years. So, you know, it's so mesmerizing listening to you and your story. And it's just an amazing journey. A ton happened. A lot of heartaches, I guess. Here's the thing. Like I was, just like many others, I was looking for like an epiphany mm-hmm. or someone to come into a dream and say like, you should do this. I think that's a good, none of that. I didn't dream of anything. It's just me wanting to build this and the question at the back of my head asking, maybe this is what's lacking. That was it. Like there was no grand plan, no. On July 27, 2022, the freelance movement tribe celebrated its fourth anniversary. From 150 members, they now have close to 6,000 and still growing. So you've been invited by the Senate to deliberate a bill. Can you tell us more about that? I'm not sure if I'm at liberty to to share. Here's what I could share. One of the things that I didn't like about the bill is that I think there was a clause in there that says that there's going to be like accreditation for freelancers or like a certification for freelancers. And that didn't really sit well with me because online freelancing is a fast-moving industry. You can't really certify someone for Facebook ads when Facebook keeps changing every two months. Number two, it's like adding another barrier again. Check this out. If, if you want to work for a good company here in the Philippines, you have to be a graduate, you have to be this and that. Now, for people who don't have that luxury, the only thing they could go to is freelancing, online freelancing. And the first thing you tell me we're going to do is put another barrier for those who want to start freelancing. So it didn't really sit well with me that you're going to put another barrier when the reason I'm helping people doing this whole freelance movement tribe is so that people who didn't have that luxury or the privilege to go and study or who feel that they're already out of age or too young to actually do this, that they would have this fighting chance at least. And then you're telling me that we need to certify them. If there's a bill, I'm the only thing I'm looking for is support. I'm not looking for you guys to do certifications. I'm looking for access to internet, public internet access. That's one. I, I would love that. What else? Easier access to government departments, like specifically when paying taxes. Instead of going to BIR and saying, I'm a freelancer and the people they're giving you this weird look like, what freelancer, you know? Those are the things that I would rather be in that bill rather than 
doing this whole certification thing again and just putting another useless barrier, making it harder for people who already have it hard. Okay, so we're going to do fast talk. It's been a highly requested one from the people in your community. Are you game? Sure. Favorite dish? Giniling. Favorite song? Uh, oh my God, I knew I knew I loved you before I met you. <laughs> Savage Garden. Favorite hobby? Reading manga. Best buddy? Bubo. Si Bubo. Uh, he's been my buddy since grade two. Describe a perfect day for you. Perfect day is just being alone. <laughs> it's being alone with my with my with coffee in hand, Ayosi, and a good book. Greatest fear. I used to be afraid of dying. What's weird is now I no longer have any. Biggest pet peeve. Pet peeve. Oh my god, I have a lot. <laughs> it's hard to choose one. People who uh, think they're better than other people. What angers you the most? One of the things that uh, that I don't like happening is my wife getting angry. Mm-hmm. Because the moment she gets angry, I get two times or three times or five times angrier. Mm-hmm. So I'm the patient, calm guy in the background. What did you do when you realized you're already a millionaire? And what did you do with your first million? Well, not to brag, but I was already earning millions way before the tribe. In fact, another trivia, my wife back then, well, she was telling me not to keep spending my income into putting it all inside the tribe. It's the other way around. The tribe didn't make me a millionaire. Actually, it made me poorer, if, if you know. <laughs> <laughs> I was already making millions before the tribe. Now, as for the question, how does it feel to be when I first became a millionaire? The first thing I did was pay off our debts. For some weird reason, you lose your company and your skill. How would you start again to get back where you are? Money comes from solving problems, right? So all I need to do is partner with someone who has a community. Like, I'm just going to partner with someone who already has everything that I lost. And then solve that. Hello, guys. I'm Jedi Dayan. Jedi is half of what makes D. Kaililia Digitals, a freelance agency she owns with her twin sister Jane. They help agency owners scale their businesses. And they graduated from college just this year. In fact, she finished school with flying colors as a summa cum laude. But even so, she decided to pursue... I decided to pursue freelancing after graduation because this is the career that helped me finish my education. It paid my tuition fee on a private university. And most importantly, it helped us survive during the pandemic, especially the time when our dad lost his job. What would your lives be like if you did not pursue freelancing? If I'm not a tribe member, I'm sure that I am waiting for every HR to text or call me about my job application and such. So thanks to freelancing because instead of applying, I am able to hire my own team members. John, can you tell me again your vision about freelancing? You always say this line. 
that one day freelancing would be mentioned under the same breath as a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer. And I saw the Kaililia twins. They graduated and they are pursuing freelancing now. And one of them, Jedi, posted something on Facebook and I commented on that post saying something along the lines of, you know, John, your vision is already happening. How does that feel that, you know, fresh graduates are actually pursuing freelancing? It feels surreal. I'm happy, I'm fulfilled, I feel validated with the, with the vision that we have. But at the same time, the more we get closer to it, the more it's becoming real. And now I'm seeing the immensity of the, of the vision. It's making me glad at the same time. It's scary to think of that this is how big our mission is. To whoever's listening now who wants to be a coach or a thought leader like you, what do you want to tell that person? Just tell I remember someone asking me, like, okay, so how do I pull this off? How do I do this course and whatnot? And I think all I said was, sell it first, low as you can, and give it everything you got. And that was it. The influence, the authority, it follows. Because most of the time, the reason why most course creators and influencers do not really take off is that they focus on marketing their name. They focus on being more famous. They focus on being more on these other things. You can probably do that. But the most effective way is that help a bunch of people, like help them the best way you know how. Help as many people as you can. And the side effect of that is you're going to be known in a short span of time. That's kind of like the shortcut, really. It's a shortcut, but people don't want to do it because they want to keep something. Someone asked me this, okay, so if I were launching this course, how would I know if I'm sharing too much? In my book, there's no such thing as too much. Just share, <laughs> share everything you know. So that's the shortcut, really. Help, help, help. And then the influence and authority comes after. It follows automatically. How does it feel changing the lives of almost 6,000 people? Happy, fulfilling, very fulfilling. John, what's next for you? All we're doing is doing everything we can to make that vision happen. I don't care what that is. If we can make that vision happen faster, that's probably going to be the next opportunity. Freelancing, an opportunity that can change not just the way you do business, but also the way you think, live, and serve others. Coming from a place of help is always a profitable and rewarding way to center your business on. Yes, freelancing is a business. It's a lifestyle, a mindset, a movement, and a dream of many to be truly free. It isn't easy and it may not be for everyone, but it is there. And John is one of the people championing this so that you can have the freedom to live the life you want for yourself and your family, wherever you are, no matter your skill, experience, age, gender, or background. Freelancing is the grand equalizer that gives everyone the chance to live the life they truly want. This episode has been written and produced by yours truly, edited and co-produced by Brian Bruces. Thank you very much, John Pagulayan, for sharing your story. To learn more about John and the Freelance Movement Tribe, visit their website at www 
thefreelancemovement.com or visit their social media pages on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Many thanks as well to Mark Chopit Bongolan of Streamit Media for the intro and outro snippets we used from the Freelance Movement Tribe's anniversary video. Thank you as well to Jedi Kaililio, Chris Ong, Denny Sabat, Dana Samuel, Luis Medina, Mikael, and the rest of the members of the Freelance Movement Tribe. Please subscribe to our podcast and give a rating or a review or send us a message on how you think we can do better at tvp at visionarymedia.com. They help us create better content so you can enjoy better stories. For our next story, we feature a fierce and successful business coach who also happens to be a mom. We're talking about none other than the savage coach herself, Dina Samuel. So if you're a parent with a thriving business, listen to her story next. For now, thank you for listening. I'm PJ Chongsonneri. Catch you next time here on The Visionary Podcast. Thank you.